verse number one. Amen. Amen. Make sure you keep your Bibles open. Amen. As we teach the word of God, I believe there's a word from the Lord, and I believe that God wants to speak to your heart on today. If you are ready to receive it, say amen. Ephesians 1, verse number one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace which, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, verse number seven, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Verse number 11, in him we have obtained an inheritance. Look at your neighbor and say, you got an inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also were heard, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, with who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. To the praise of his glory. I want to, I want to, I want to kind of deal with this. Now, I know some of you read this, you're like, Jesus, what did he just say? Because I know it was a little, little heavy. Um, I was going to do a series about counterculture and about how the Lord wanted us to be in this world, but not of this world. That he wanted us to be counter the culture so that we can make the difference. And the message on New Year's Eve shifted everything for me. How many of you can say that message from New Year's Eve has not left you alone yet? Okay. I know some of you just come to church and you just hear the word and you just go home. But there's something that the Lord started. On New Year's Eve, in that message, he's adjusting my vision. That if you missed it, you need to go back and listen to it on the podcast. Because the Lord said to me, that is what I need you to continue in. That I need you to see that your vision needs to be adjusted. It is time 
to adjust your vision. So I want to preach and teach from this subject and from this series that adjusting my vision, he's adjusting how I see myself. He's adjusting how I see myself. As we prepare to explore this passage, I would like to inform you of a principle that Dr. Henry Cloud lays out in his book, Necessary Endings. He suggests, I need you to hear this, that an entrance into a new season must be preceded by exits from old ones. Are y'all with me this morning? I need y'all to talk back. Are y'all with me this morning? He argues that endings are not always evil. But sometimes endings are necessary. He suggests that you cannot say hello to new things unless you are willing to say goodbye to some old things. So ladies and gentlemen, the course and quality of our lives will be impacted, influenced, and determined by what you are willing to leave. Preach, Philip. This message has already become difficult for some of us because some of us, under the sound of my voice, are married to an old version of yourself that you refuse to divorce. And as we stand at the beginning of a brand new year, sit there with your mouth closed. You better open it by the time I get to the end. That as we stand at the beginning of a brand new year, I believe that the mindset that is necessary if we want to experience new things in a new decade is that I must be willing to say goodbye to a version of myself that don't work anymore. I didn't come for everybody. That's fine. But I came to declare that anybody can jump on this. Who I was in 2010 is not who I'll be in 2020 got the wrong people. I'm going to talk to five of y'all this morning. In fact, my next 10 years will be better than my last 10 years. I need somebody that got a little bit of faith, that ain't too sleepy, ain't too tired, and ain't too cold, that can say my next 10 years about to be better than my last 10 years. Is there anybody in here that knows that God didn't keep you through 2010, 2011, 2015, 2018, 2019, for you to get into 2020 and it be the same old thing. I need somebody in here that can lift up your hands and say, God, I thank you that my 2020 going to be better than my 2010. Turn the organ up in the monitors. It's not even on. So if I'm going to struggle with anything in the next 10 years, at least let my struggle be attached to my progress. <laughs> Because I hate, here's what I found out. Here's what I found out. I found out that a lot of people live cyclical lives, that the same struggle you had in 2019 was the same struggle you actually had in 2016. And the same struggle you had in 2016, you had it in 2013. <sighs> because you don't mind going through the struggle of the same thing over and over again. If I'm going to struggle. 
at least let my struggle, Deidre, be attached to some progress in my life. God, I wish I had somebody. I'm not saying I want to struggle, but if I got to struggle, at least let it be a struggle that takes me to the place that God got for me. So we stand in a new year filled with in endless opportunities. But going to the next level always requires ending something, leaving it behind, and watch this, and moving on. In fact, growth demands that we move on. There's some clothes, there's some clothes, there's some clothes that I loved. There's some clothes that I spent a lot of money on. There's some clothes that I remember where I was when I bought it. I can go in the closet. I, I ain't trying to say nothing, but I, went, I could go in the closet and I can say, I remember when I was in Madrid and I bought that. But here's what I've discovered. Even though I have an attachment to the clothes and I can remember where I got it from and I remember how much it costs when seasons change and when time changes and when style changes and when the body changes, rather than to endure the embarrassment of trying to put on what no longer fits, you move on from those clothes. And I believe that God is trying to show us that if we want all that he has for us in the next decade, it is imperative that we move on from what don't fit no more. God help me. I've come to announce to somebody that mindset you used to have, it don't fit you any longer. That negativity that no longer, that negativity of your mind that no longer fits you any longer. That low self-esteem that you used to carry, it no longer fits you any longer. That self-sabotaging behavior no longer fits you anymore. That level of petty that you used to have, it no longer fits you anymore. That temper tantrum when you can't control people that no longer fits you anymore. That isolating behavior when you go through a trial, it no longer fits you anymore. That insecurity that shows up when you get around other gifted people, it no longer fits you no more. Because what God has for you in the next decade, that stuff no longer fits you. Slap fire with your neighbor and tell your neighbor it no longer fits you anymore. I feel like you got the wrong neighbor because some of them are sitting there acting like, oh, well, it worked for me back then. Boo, it didn't work for you then and it ain't going to work for you now. Where God is taking you, you got to leave some stuff behind. Shake your neighbor's hand real good and say, leave it behind. God got more for you. It don't fit you any longer. Because God is trying to adjust your vision of how you see yourself. See, the background of Ephesians is actually found in the book of Acts. Let me teach a little bit. The Apostle Paul went on three missionary journeys where he would travel to different cities and establish churches. And on his second missionary trip, on his way home, he stopped off at a city called Ephesus and started a church there. And about a year later, on Paul's third missionary journey, he returns back to the city, Ephesus, and spends three years of his life pouring his life himself into the church and into that city. You can read about this in Acts 19. And at some point, after the three years, Paul meets with the elders of the church and let them know, I've been here long enough, and it's time for me to go. 
But Paul said, I'm not going to leave you abandoned. I'm going to send my best and my brightest, my spiritual son, Timothy, to be your overseer. Timothy will come and serve as the overseer of the church. And a few years later, after Timothy has been installed, Paul was put into prison in Rome for preaching the gospel, Acts 28. And while he's in prison, watch this, Paul sits down, watch this, while he's in prison, Paul sits down and writes four letters that's in your Bible. Philemon, Colossians, Philippians, and Ephesians. Are y'all with me? Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, and it is written, watch this, in two parts, two main sections. Chapters 1 and through chapters 3 deal with what you should believe, but chapters 4 through chapter 6 deal how you should behave. Let me back it up. Chapters 1 through 3 deal with what you should believe, but chapters 3, chapters 4 through 6 deal with how you should behave. Notice Paul gets what you should what you believe straight before an expectation of how you should behave. Let me back it up again. Paul says you got to get what you believe straight first before you can get your behavior under control. And the problem with church people is that we're trying to get our behaviors under control before we understand what we really do believe. If you believe that God is against you, then you will behave like a victim. If you believe that God is angry with you, then you will behave like you unforgiven. I know you're mad. I'm coming for you. If if you believe that God won't bless you, then you behave like you can only depend on yourself. But when you believe if God is for me, who can be against me? You behave like an overcomer. If you believe if I confess my sins, God is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins, then you'll behave like you uh, like you forgiven. If you believe that God chastises those who he loves, then you, be you behave like he's not trying to kill me. He's trying to make me better. Because when you believe right you will behave right all right I need to take a pause for the cause and find out is there anybody here this morning that can declare my praise is an indication that I believe that God is good my praise is an indication that I believe God is gonna work it out my praise is an indication that I believe God is gonna open the door I need you to take 10 seconds throw your head back throw your hands up and show me what you believe I believe he's a good God I believe he's a way maker I believe he's a door opener I believe he'll heal my body let your praise be an indication of what you believe because how you see yourself how you see God affects how you see yourself how you see God affects how you see yourself and God used this is a prophetic word for somebody in here God used 2019 to adjust your vision on how you see him. God used 2019 to show you that when everybody else leaves, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He used 2019 to show you that when you get down to nothing, he'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. God had to adjust your vision because when, watch this, watch this, when truth presents itself, it's the wise person that sees the light, takes it in, and makes adjustments. Let me rewind that one more time. God had to adjust your vision because when truth presents itself, it's only the wise person that sees the light, takes it in, and makes the adjustments. But a fool, ask your neighbor, what kind of fool are you? 
Y'all scared to ask your neighbor that. But a fool tries to adjust the truth so he doesn't have to adjust to it. And I want to look at these verses to see what adjustments we need to make in order to see what God has done for us. So here we go. It's on the screen. What does God want me to see? What do I need to see in order to adjust my vision? The first thing that Paul shows us, number one, it's on the screen. He shows us that God has a plan. God has a plan. Blessed be, verse number three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace which, uh, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. He has a plan for us. Paul said all that. To say, he got a plan for us. Let me let me let me let me let me work this out a little bit. If you do your study, you will find out that that Ephesians one verse number three through fourteen is actually one sentence. We added the commas and the periods and the spaces so that you could understand a little bit better. But Paul was so adamant about what he was trying to say that he put it all in one really long sentence. Because he understood when God builds a church, when God builds a people. He does it with a plan in mind. God is not ambiguous. He's not obscure. He's not uncertain about our lives. We serve, I need you to say this, an intentional God. That is why Paul says in verse number three through six that we ought to bless God because God has intentionally done three things in our life. In verse number three through six, Paul lays out three things that God does in our life. He says he blessed us, he chose us, and he predestined us. Let me say that again. He blessed us, he chose us, and he predestined us. I want to say it one more time. He blessed us, he chose us, he predestined us. That the plan of God is to bless us, to choose us, and to predestine us. That means that before we got here, God already had a plan with our name on it. See, see first, the text says that he had a plan, here we go, to bless us. I need you to tap yourself, not your neighbor, tap yourself and say, I'm blessed. In fact, the word blessed shows up three times in verse number three alone. Blessed, blessed, and blessing. If you look at the original, it actually says blessed, blessed, and blessing. It is, watch this, let me go theological before I go practical. It is the father who is the giver of the gift. It is the son who is the gift. And it's the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of the blessing. Y'all don't like theology. The Father who is the giver of the gift, the Son who is the gift, and it's the Holy Spirit who comes to seal what the Father gave and the Son redeemed. Okay. And Paul steps back and says that I must bless God, not because of what he gave me, but I got to bless God. Watch this, because how he blessed me in the heavenly realms. See, most of the things we do in the Christian faith, we do because we have been commanded to do it. God has commanded us to attend worship. He has commanded us to tithe. He has commanded us to witness. He's commanded us to pray. And these are all acts that God commands us to obey. But when we offer God praise, 
We don't do it because he commands us to do it. We do it because we love him. Not for what he gives, but for who he is. And when you love God for who he is and not for what he gives, no praise leader has to tell you to clap your hands. No praise leader has to tell you to lift up your hands. Nobody has to manage your praise. Nobody has to choreograph your worship. When you start thinking about the doors that God has opened, the prayers that God has answered, the ways that God has made, nobody has to command you to give God glory. Nobody has to tell you to lift up your hands. Nobody has to tell you what to do. Because when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, my soul, ain't nobody got to tell me to clap. I know he's been good. Ain't nobody got to tell me to throw my hands up. I know he's been good. So when I think about how good he is, I go ahead and praise him. You just praise God for who he is. See, God's plan for my life was to bless me with what, what, what Paul says, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That means, watch this, that, 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 that the blessings that God has for me aren't material. That can be taken away. You can get a new car, don't pay it, it's gone. You, you, you can get a new house, don't pay it, they will take it back. But Paul is not, he's not listing off material blessings. These blessings aren't blessings that can be repossessed. These aren't blessings that can be stolen. In fact, blessings that God has planned for me is not stamped made in America. It's not stamped made in China. My blessing is stamped made in heaven. <laughs> Y'all ain't got no good praises right there. See, you go ahead and get the stuff that man made, but I want to get the stuff that God got for me that can't nobody else give it to me but God. Ah, oh, I know a house and a car is good, but is there anybody here that say my real praise is when I realize the joy that I have, the world didn't give it, and the world can't take it away. My real praise comes from the fact that the peace I have that surpasses all understanding. Is there anybody in here that can give God glory? Not for materialistic stuff, but what's spiritual. Oh, I got joy like a river. It's spiritual. Oh, grab your neighbor by the hand. Say, neighbor, the reason I make a lot of noise in church is because what God gave me is spiritual. Because when we start talking about the goodness of the Lord, something on the inside of me starts leaping. Is there anybody in here that can give God praise even if you ain't got no money? Is there anybody in here that can give God glory even if you ain't got a house? Can you give? It's spiritual, honey. It's spiritual. The favor I walk in is spiritual. Oh. In fact, I came to announce to some of y'all, that is how you're going to make it in 2020. While everybody else secure in the bag, you're going to be secure in your relationship with God. And the more you secure your relationship with God, the more he's going to hook you up. God, I, I don't know who I came. Because the Bible says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be 
added unto you. That's why I go after God with everything I got. Because the more I go after him, the more he hooks me up. I need you to slap fire with your neighbor and tell your neighbor he's hooking me up in 2020. I'm going to keep on praising him and he's going to keep on hooking me up. I'm going to keep on serving him and he's going to keep on hooking me up. second reason God has a plan for your life is proven in us being chosen. Let the church say chosen. Paul says, God has his mark on you. This is why you don't fit in everywhere. This is why you stand out like a sore thumb. It ain't your hair color. It ain't the shift of your weave. It ain't your outfit. God's mark is on you. Is there anybody here that say, I'm marked by God? Okay, you don't believe it? Let me prove to you if you've been marked by God. Have you noticed how the enemy fights you on every hand? He comes out the woodworks just to come and try and get you. You know why he comes after you? Because you're marked, honey. He comes after the target that he's after. And I need all the marked people in this house to let the devil know you tried it, but it didn't work because I've been marked by God. Thank you. Watch this. Watch this. Paul says, you got a mark on you. And just in case you didn't know it, you did not choose God. He chose you. God pursued you. It means that you were on the mind of God before God was on your mind. It means that God was thinking good thoughts toward his children. Watch this. Let me, let me show it to you like this. Any parent, any parent can testify that your children are always on your mind. I don't care how old they get. I don't care how grown they are. Your children are always on your mind. Even if your children don't live with you, before you go to bed at night, you say, Lord, wherever they are, put your hands on them. Because I've done the best I know how to do. You're always thinking about them. Now, here's the thing. If you're always thinking about your children... Think about God and his children. We are always on his mind. He will never for leave us or forsake us. And God makes sure that he never forgets us because he wrote our name in the palm of his hand. I need somebody here that know you've been chosen by God. The only reason I made it through the hell I made it through is because I was chosen by God. And I know I'm on his mind all the time. this is how I know I was on God's mind because I know I had to be on his mind because when I look back over my life God got me out of some close calls <laughs> I know I was on God's mind Maury because I know watch this I know I was on God's mind because he rescued me from myself I feel a shout right there. I know you so smart. I know you so muchy-muchy. I know you got your education and you, you graduated magnum cum laude and, and you know you got it going on. You graduated with honors. But is there anybody here that know that God had to come rescue you from yourself when you got yourself in a mess? That's how I know I was on the mind of God because he came and got me from myself. Right. Paul says we are blessed. We are chosen. But he says, watch this, we are predestined 
for adoption. Don't hang up on me. Don't hang up on me. I know it's a big word, but I'm going to break it down. That we have been predestined for adoption. It means he took us in as his own. He didn't have to. Because there was nothing in us that compelled him to accept us. He accepted us simply and purely out of his own eternal love for us. A love that he has for us since even before he created us. <laughs> Y'all don't like that right there. He loved us before he even created us. That was in his plan all along. His plan wasn't to sit there and look to see how good you behave before he started loving you. Before your mama met your daddy, before they went to the hotel motel holiday inn, you were already on the mind of God and God already loved you before you were even named. Is there anybody here that can give God glory because God loved you when you didn't even have sense to love yourself? That's what I love about being adopted by God. He accepted me just as I am. His plan was to take us as rebellious, selfish, no-count creatures and adopt us as sons through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. But the power of adoption, watch this, was that when you were adopted, now I need to kind of go back to this because in the Old Testament, let me teach real quick, in the Old Testament, there is no uh, biblical foundation for adoption. Adoption doesn't show up until the New Testament. So watch this, after the New Testament has been written. So the people at this time didn't understand the concept from a biblical perspective. They understood it. Are y'all still with me? They understood it from a Roman perspective. They looked at the Romans who practiced adoption and took that as what Paul was trying to say. It, it means that when you're adopted, the father has absolute power over his children as long as the father lived. It meant that when they adopted you, you can be 40 and daddy can be 80, but daddy at 80 and you at 40 can still tell you what to do because you've been adopted into the family. A scripture we love, I'm going to work this, let me work it out. A scripture we love but we don't fully understand is when Jeremiah says that God knows the plans that he has for us. Plans not to harm us, but plans to prosper us and give us a hope and a future. We shout off of that. But what key that we keep missing over that scripture is that God says, I know the plans. You missed the place right there. He says, I know the plans. He did not say, you know the plans. But God says, I know the plans I have for you. Which suggests, watch this, that there are some things that God intentionally does not let us in on. It's going to get tight right through here. Here we go. And that's the problem for us. That we want the plan of God to work out in our lives but it means here we go that we must say goodbye to something we would rather keep I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you plans to give you hope and a future hey glory I know the plan not you I know the plans it means we got to say goodbye to something you know what we got to say goodbye to Say for your neighbor, but this this for the person sitting in your, your seat. Um, it means we must say goodbye to control. I think I will, Tanya. It means that we got to say goodbye to control. 
I feel a controlling spirit right up in here. The problem with God's plan for our life is that we must be willing to give up control. Um, let me go deep. Can I go deep? Can y'all just lean in for a minute? Just lean in for a minute. Just lean in for a minute. Leave in for a minute. Giving up control is difficult, but it's logical. Okay, you can sit back now. Giving up control is difficult, but it's logical. Pastor, what you mean is logical? Because control is an illusion. I hope you're ready for this. Even when we think we have it, we don't. We can control how we drive, but we can't control how everybody else on the road drives. So by the time you get to work, all your patience is gone trying to control something you could never control in the first place. I'm coming for you. We can control how we put an offer on the property, but we can't control if the offer is accepted. We can control how good our grades are, how pristine our application is, how well we interview, but we can't control if we get admitted or we get the, the scholarship. Here we go. We can contribute, but we can't control. Problem with the saints is that when you say I'm waiting on God, in your mind that means I don't have to contribute nothing. And God is saying, you got to contribute, but I'm still in control. We influence, but we don't control outcomes because control is an illusion. So when we manipulate, trying to control outcomes, we end up having to carry the weight of something we were never intended to carry in the first place. I'm going to preach it now. We are bearing God's weight because only God can control outcomes. We have to come to the conclusion God has a plan for my life and my job is to contribute to the plan. But I don't need to carry what's too heavy for me to carry. In 2020, I'm no longer crumbling under the pressure of trying to carry something I was never meant to carry in the first place. Slap fire with your neighbor and say, let it go. Ah, uh, let God carry the weight. Ah, uh, give it to God because God is the one that can control the outcome. You just contribute. You show up on time. You give all you got. You give everything to it. You try all you can, but you let God control it and you sit back and let God be the one in control. 2019, you crumbled because you tried to control something you could never control. You can be in a relationship with them, but you can't control them. Uh-oh. Mm -hmm. You can get a check from them, but you can't control that boss. So why are you going crazy trying to control something you never meant to control? So number one, he has a plan. What's the second thing that God is trying to get us to see? Here's number two. He's giving provision. He's giving provision. We need to see that he's giving provision. Am I helping anybody this morning? Verse number seven says, in him we have redemption through his blood. And what this word means is that God has purchased us off the slave market of sin. So that means that when God saw you, he saw you struggling in your sin and God came and provided what was needed to purchase you out of that sin. He provided a way to freedom. 
He provided a way to liberation. He provided a way to deliverance from the sin that you are in. Think, think about it like this. Think about, think about it. Think, think about where you would be today if God had not snatched you out of yourself. Mm -hmm. Think about how lost you would be if God didn't give, give you the power to say no to what had a grip on you. I know everybody ain't going to shout right here, but can I get a shout from some of the honest people that can say, if you knew the hell that I was in, that God had to rescue me out of, if you knew the trials and the tribulations that God had to come and step in and get me out of it, I need somebody to just throw your hand out like this and say, he snatched me out of it. When I was deep in sin, he snatched me out of it. When I was about to make a mess, he snatched me out of it. When I was messed up and tore up, he snatched me out of it. And I give God glory because he came and snatched me he says I made a way for your redemption I need everybody to say I am redeemed uh, Harriet means it's on the screen Harriet means says this this quote bless me uh, Harriet means says redemption is the most glorious work of God it is gr it is greater far than his work of creation listen to this he spoke a word and the worlds were formed. But it cost him the life of his beloved son to redeem the world. I know you stuck on Genesis 1 and 1. But what Harriet is trying to get us to see, that if you keep on going past Genesis and you get over in the Gospels, you will discover that he did something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. Let me put, let me put it like this. Let me put it like this. It's just like, has anybody ever pawned anything? If you've ever pawned anything, you know how useful the item was before you pawned it. But when you pawned it, catch this, you couldn't use it anymore. Watch this. But when you went back and paid the money to redeem the item, its usefulness had now been restored. You missed it. If you had a TV, you was in a tight spot. You needed a little cash, and you needed a little cash, so you went to the pawn shop. You watched that TV. It was useful before you sent it to the pawn shop. But when you went to the pawn shop and you gave it to them, watch this, you needed the money more than you needed the TV. But times can change, and you got the money that was necessary in order to buy the, 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 the TV back. So you go back and get the TV. When you get the TV, you've purchased it back, but when you take it home, God, guess what? You plug it in, and it's now useful to you again. Every man born into sin, watch this, is sold into the slavery of sin and is useless to God for the purpose he designed us to fulfill. But the blood that was paid was the necessary payment to redeem us and restore our usefulness all over again. Why are you walking around here with your head hung down thinking that you so low? God said, don't you know the expense I paid in order to get your behind back to me? You're useful all over again so God has to adjust your vision of yourself watch this so you don't allow the wounds of sin to infect your soul alright alright I'm going to go real deep I hope you can handle this I hope you're ready for this this is going to hurt you but I promise you if it hurts you it's going to help you um, God has to adjust your vision so you don't allow the wounds of sin to infect your soul here we go because wounds that don't get tended to properly become infected Wounds that don't get tended to properly 
become infected. Which tells me, watch this, the wound isn't dangerous. It's the infection that becomes dangerous. We about to go deep. I hope you're ready for me. Are you ready? Are you ready? I need y'all to talk back. Are you ready? And if you don't see your value in God, here we go. Rejection becomes your infection. Selah. If you don't see the price he paid in order to redeem you, the wound that you carry will get infected and rejection now becomes your infection. Here's what I discovered. It's going to be heavy for some of y'all. You know what I discovered? Infections that come from rejection don't always show up in the form of pain. Here we go but it shows up in the form of personality traits. Priscilla, we about to get real deep right here. Some people's timidity isn't their identity, it's their infection. Is this too heavy for y'all? Some people's indifference, cold, hard-heartedness, it ain't your identity, it's your infection. Some people's people-pleasing isn't your identity. It's your infection. Because you've been, watch this, wounded. And the wound stayed so long that it's now infected. That now your infection becomes your rejection. And your rejection now becomes your identity. So the only way you know how to deal with people is with your attitude. Because you don't want to be wounded again. And the problem is you come to church because you want the wound healed, but you don't want to do nothing about the infection. So you want to be delivered, but you don't want to change that attitude. You want to be set free, but you don't want to change your disposition. And God is trying to take you somewhere in 2020, but you're too scared to go because your wound has become your infection. And now your infection is your personality trait. I'm just a quiet person. No, that might be infection. Because the last time you spoke up, you got hurt. This is hard right through here. I couldn't holler this one. Because now your infection has become your identity. So now you lead with your personality never realizing that's just the infection. I don't do women, infection. I don't have female friends, infection. Who was the one that wounded you that you never got healed from? So now your identity is your infection. I'm a loner. I don't like, you know, I don't like a whole lot of people. Go figure. I want a big church, but I don't like a whole lot of people. And I realized that the rejection that I was walking in would push me to be isolated because I don't want to open myself up and get hurt like I got hurt the last time. And it wasn't until I had to realize that God had to feel, he had to heal my infection before I can move forward with my life. 
because what God got for me, I can't get it in my house by myself. I feel the Holy Ghost right now telling me to stop and pray for those who know you are carrying an infection that is now displayed in your personality and you are having difficulty getting over that. But God says, I don't need to change your personality. I need to heal your infection. Every man ain't that man. Every job ain't that job. All people are not the same. And you could be walking by the one God has sent for you. But because your disposition is, everybody better get out of my way when I get to work. That's your infection talking, honey. That's your infection. I don't do church people. That's your infection. Because all church people are not the same. Some church people are nice. Some of them will really care about you. Some of them will really pray for you. But here you are. I don't want to touch anybody's hand. Honey, that's your infection. Because you let the wrong one touch you and hurt you. And God is trying to send the right one that's going to touch you and heal you. I need somebody in here to lift up your hands and say, God, wherever the infection is, I need you to go ahead and heal me. Heal me of the infection because I'm isolating myself. I'm hindering my blessing. I'm stopping from where you want to take me. I need to be healed from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. I need to be healed in my soul, in my emotions. I need to be healed. Oh, God, change me from the end. I need somebody in here to Open up your mouth. This ain't a praise break. This is a healing. I need you to open up your mouth and say, God, heal me. Heal me of the infection. God is saying, watch this. I'm trying to adjust your vision to you, to a you you have not met yet. A healed you. A stronger you. A focused you a wiser you, a you that realizes your potential. I need to speak that over somebody's life. A you that realizes your potential. A you that doesn't run away from people. God says, I need you to see I have provided everything you need to be healed from the infection of rejection. Not walking around scared. Not walking around thinking everybody's out to get me. I got to be healed from my infection. I got to move on. He has a plan. He's giving provision. Here's number three. He's fulfilling purpose. He's fulfilling purpose. Ephesians 1 and 11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. There's a lot of people that talk about purpose. It seems that people today are spending a lot of time seeking their purpose in life. Most of us believe that our purpose is like the American dream. The goal is to have a nice house, a couple of cars, a lot of stuff. But is there anybody here that realizes that never satisfies the longings in your soul? So if my purpose is tied to stuff, then I'll never feel fulfilled. Watch this. Your dream car was two cars ago. Because you will never be satisfied in the area of materialism because as soon as you get to one level, you're ready for the next. 
When you was catching a bus, you was like, Lord, I don't care what you give me. If it's raggedy, I'm just going to tell you thank you and keep it moving. As long, watch this, as it gets me from point A to point And then when you got it, we shouted, we gave God glory, we danced over it, and two years later, the same thing we shouted over, we now complaining about. I'm sick of this car. I don't even like the color. Yes, you did. Touch your neighbor and say, you was the same person. You was the same person. place your dream place was two places ago because stuff will never fulfill us that's why our inheritance isn't a material inheritance our inheritance is in Jesus Christ God has purpose for your life that is bigger than a new house and a new car there's an assignment that God has for you to complete I'm gonna go deep one more time and I'll leave you alone the problem that I find with us moving in purpose is the inability to move into um, the new because we're waiting on closure from the past. You won't walk into the new because you're waiting on closure. I want, you to, I want you to stay with me just for a minute because when we don't get closure, it shuts down on us pursuing our purpose. This thing messed me up. Never saw this before. Old Testament. Moses brings the children of Israel out of Egypt. The Bible says, Deuteronomy, I think it's around 36. The Bible says that Moses goes on a walk with God, but only God comes back. Moses dies. Watch this. And God buries the body. The children of Israel have to move on into the promised land without the one that brought them out of Egypt. Now their allegiance is to the one that brought them out. But now God has moved him off the stage of their life and he's no longer there. And to add insult to injury, God don't even tell them where he buried them. Because God knew if I told you where I buried him, you would take that place and make it a memorial out of it. You will never move on from that place. And I told you I got the promised land for you. But now, watch this, you getting stuck because you ain't got no closure. Here's a revelation. Hope you're ready for this. Here's a revelation. Here's what a revelation. What is God trying to say? I only give closure if it's needed for your purpose. Adjust your seat. Just go ahead and adjust. Adjust your seat because that hits you like a ton of bricks. In other words, God is saying, if I don't give you closure, it is because you don't need it for where I'm taking you. The only reason I give closure is because it's needed for you to move on. God is saying, some of you are waiting on an apology you will never get. Some of you are waiting on an explanation you will never get. But God is saying, you don't need it anyway because what I got for you, you don't need closure for it in order to get to it.
something over something, God says, I'm not going to give you clothes over it because you don't need it. If you needed it, I would have given it to you. So you have stopped your purpose and stalled up your life waiting for God to give you something. He said you don't even need it. That's heavy. You waiting for an apology. It's not needed. You waiting on why daddy wasn't there. It's not needed. You waiting on why they broke your heart. It's not needed. You waiting on why they act like that. It ain't needed. It does nothing for your future. Watch this. Because if I told you why, you would get stuck. Why they did that? Don't they know I love them? Don't they know I care about them? Don't they know I always got their back? Why they got to run like that? Why they got to act like that? Why? Why? Seven months later. Why? You don't need an explanation. You got to move on without an excuse or a reason you thought you needed. Stop getting stuck on your purpose. God says, keep it moving. Don't worry about where I buried him. He's not needed for the assignment. I got Joshua waiting on you. Joshua getting ready to take you somewhere. He for, Moses fulfilled his purpose for that season. That season is up. Now it's time to move on. I need you to go ahead and touch three people around you and tell them, move on, move on, move on, move on, move on, move on. Why are you waiting on explanation? You will never get a why. Why are you sitting up there? It is not needed for your purpose. I need some people in here that can just bust out with an appraise and say, I'm headed somewhere without the answers. I'm headed somewhere without my questions being answered. I don't need it. If God thought I needed it, he would have given it to me by now. But since he didn't give it to me, I don't need it. I'm headed somewhere. I need the people that are headed somewhere to make some noise like you know you headed somewhere. Hallelujah! He has a plan. He's giving me provision. He's fulfilling my purpose. And this when I'm done. He made me a promise. He needs to see that he made you a promise. You need to see that he made you a promise. Verse number 13 says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So he sealed right there. Watch this. Some versions will say that he is a down payment. The promise. He's a down payment. So whenever you put something down, like if you put something down on a house, that is your promise that you're going to come back later and take full possession of it. So in the same way, God says, I'm giving you a down payment of the Holy Spirit right now. But I'm making a promise that one day I'm going to give you much more and because I'm coming back and I'm going to take full possession of you. I know we don't talk about it much because we don't like to talk about it, but the reality is Jesus is soon to return. He is coming back. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. And he's going to take possession of us. And the dead in rise shall rise, shall rise. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And when the trumpet sounds, y'all know he's coming back, right? Watch this. God is saying, my deposit in you, my promise for you, is the Holy Spirit that's living on the inside of you. I need y'all to hear me with your spiritual ears now. 
So every time the Holy Spirit convicts you, that's God reminding you of his promise. You look at it as if he's punishing you. God is saying, no, that ain't punishment. That's my promise. Every time this Holy Spirit helps you to resist them temptations, that is God reminding you of his promise. Every time the Holy Spirit comforts you when your heart is broken into a million pieces, that's God trying to remind you of his promise. God wants you to know that I made a promise over your life, and I'm going to make good on my promise. Not a man that I should lie, neither the son of man that I should repent. If I said it, it will come to pass. Here's the problem with the promise. There's a problem with the promise. He made a promise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ha, got a promise on my life. Yes, Lord. That's all great. Here's the problem with the promise. The problem with the promise is the distance between ability and responsibility. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Stay with me. David, Saul, I'm done with you. I need to anoint a new king. Samuel, go down to Jesse's house. There's a king in his house. Stand up all his boys in front of you. Seven, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you. You ain't got nobody else? Watch this. David was out tending the sheep, writing love songs to God. Catch this. When Samuel shows up, his own daddy don't even suggest him. He leave him out in the field. I feel a praise right there because some of you need to realize in 2020 they looked over you in 2019 but in 2020 you will be undeniable they got to bring you in okay I felt that right there alright so watch this so they bring David he said alright this him let's anoint him Samuel anoints him as king catch this he now has the ability because he's been anointed by God to be the king. Here's the problem. After the anointing, where did David go? Back to the sheep. I have the ability, but my responsibility didn't change. You got the oil for it, but it ain't your time yet. God, I feel you right there. You've been called to do this thing. But go back to the field. It ain't time for you to print business cards. It ain't time for you to get a website. It's time for you to get back to the field. Because God wants to see how faithful is your worship when you know you got more in you but you can't let it out right now. I mean, you got wife on the inside of you. But your reality is, sleeping in a bed all by myself. You know you could do your manager's job better than she can. But go back to the field. You know the call of God on your life. still say the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he restores my soul 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil, for thou art with me. Can you still write that even though you're not doing what you know you can do on the inside? God is saying, can you be faithful even when your responsibility has not changed? Or does God make the promise to you that he's going to do amazing things in your life? you can't handle the weight. Not W-E-I-G-H-T. The W-A-I-T. Are you giving up too quickly in the weight? I know it's more in you. I know what I put down on the inside of you. But you gotta wait. Because you could be anointed but you're not appointed. like this because this is counterculture. Culture say, go get yours. Go get yours. Watch this. And the problem is God is trying to give you a sweatless victory and you're working too hard. You still don't believe me. Go back to the field. He prepares a table before me. He prepares a table before me. No, you got to the enemies. He prepares. I ain't even got to set the table. He gonna set the table and all I got to do is show up and watch God work a miracle in my life. God is saying, can you W-A-I-T for my promise? I know you got the ability but it's not your responsibility. Can you wait? I need you to see yourself differently. You're not less than it's not your time yet. How the enemy gets you and me? Because we have this picture in our mind that has not happened yet. So then we have this conversation with ourselves that there must be something wrong with me. And he's saying, I'm adjusting your vision because there's nothing wrong with you. I just got you in the holding process. Because I need to see, can you keep your worship up? even Y-U-W-A-I-T. Can you keep glorifying me? Can you be, watch this, thank you, Holy Ghost. Can you be faithful over the sheep of your father before you be faithful to the sheep of the people? Because I need to see, yeah, there's greatness on the inside of you. I know that's what we say in church, oh, there's greatness, oh, thank you. some things out of you and put some things in you so that when you show up to the battle you don't run and get scared thank you Holy Ghost here we go so I gotta go back to the sheep I know I've been called to be a king watch this but then Saul king Saul starts having these emotional outbursts I ain't got no Bible readers the one who's appointed king right now. He's having these emotional fits. You know, he go crazy. Schizophrenia, the, uh, some people believe. Bipolar. They believe that he had bipolar. Watch this. And they said, the only thing that calms him down is music. 
So send for somebody to play what he needs to hear in order to calm down them spirits. But who can we get? Who can we call on that we can bring in here to help them? And God set it up where somebody was at the right place at the right time that say, hey, I know somebody. His name is David. Go send for him and bring him here. And is there anybody in here that say, God is not going to elevate you to the level until you learn how to serve somebody else first. But are you ready? Are you ready? Because preparation plus opportunity equals success. Are you ready? Have you prepared yourself? You gotten yourself together. No, you want the lovely house, but have you gotten your credit together? No, you want the wonderful job, but are you showing up on time at the one you at now? I will come all the way back here. Cause preparation plus opportunity equals success. Are you ready? Have you mastered your father's sheep first? Or are you just sitting there waiting because you think you're cute? This is hard to preach this generation. This is hard to preach to this generation because this generation has a problem with entitlement. And you think that somebody owes you something because you're cute and you got a little piece of a gift. Don't nobody owe you nothing. Wait on it. Let God set it up for you. I got a promise for you, but you got to wait. I don't know who I came for this morning, but there's some of you that needed to hear this message because he needed to adjust your vision. He needed to deal with your infection. He needed to deal with that rejection. He needed to show you that you had to wait because what he's doing in you, he's adjusting your vision for you to see yourself differently. I'm done. Play softly. I came for somebody in here, God is saying, there's something on the inside of you that's great, but you're giving up on your promise too quickly. Or you can't get to your promise because the infection is so bad that you're self-sabotaging your own self. You're hindering where God is trying to take you. God sent me in here, changed my whole, I struggled through this. Because I was going to talk about counterculture. And God changed it. And said, this is where I need you to be. God told me to call for gifted people this morning. That you have vision greater than what you see in front of you. And it aggravates you. aggravates you. I'm not talking about, you know, oh, I love it. Oh, I got great vision. No. Some of you, when you talk about vision, it, it disturbs you. Because you think you're so far from where you should be. And you're struggling trying to make it there. God says, pick up your promise all over again. Realize I have provided a way for you. And I want you to be healed as you go towards what I got for you. You know I'm talking to you. You know this message was for you. Get up out your seat. Meet me on this altar. Because God wants to put a deposit on the inside of you.
God saying, I got to adjust your vision this morning. I got to let you see you differently. I got to let you see you differently. Watch this. Not your situation. I don't need to change the way your situation looks. Y'all move in if you can. Step up if you can. I need to change the way you see yourself. And this is how the enemy got you and me in 2019. Because it did not happen the way that we thought it was going to happen. And disappointment, remember I talked about this the other night at New Year's Eve service. The disappointment set in. Now, watch this. God, I thank you. You are dumbing down your vision. Who am I talking to? Now, you are putting all these contingencies to try to explain away why it didn't happen the way you thought it was supposed to happen. And the enemy plagued your mind in 2019 with telling you you're not good enough. If you were smarter, you would have had it by now. If you had all the money, it would have happened by now. If you were nicer, it would have happened by now. God is saying, I need to change your vision of how you see yourself. But you first got to see you. You got to see what I've done in your life. God, don't waste nothing. He's not going to waste all that he did to get you to this point for you to lose it now. There's greatness on the inside of you. It's been leaping on the inside of you. Some of you, your vision keeps you up at night. And the enemy tries to distract you with people and things. God is saying, get your vision back. I pray for a spirit of focus now. I pray for focus. I pray for a focus that you will not be swayed, that your emotions will not pull you out of what God has for you, that while you wait, you remain focused. Lift your hands before the Lord. So God, I pray right now for a focus. We will not be distracted. We will not be distracted. Thank you, Lord. We will not be distracted. No more distractions. God, even if it's friends, even if it's people we love, God, whoever it is, whatever it is, we come against distractions right now in the name of Jesus. Give us the ability to create boundaries in our lives. Give us the ability to create boundaries in our lives. We will not be distracted any longer. There's greatness on the inside. You didn't deliver us from all you delivered us from to leave us now. There's more on the inside of us. Come on, with your hands lifted up, I need you to open up your mouth. Focus, 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 focus. Focus, there's more. Focus, there's more. Focus, there's more. Focus, there's more. If it's to get the degree, I pray for focus right now. If it's to get the job, I pray for focus right now. If it is to start your business, it is focus right now. I decree and declare, he's adjusting your vision for you to get focused. right now stir up the gift of God on the inside of us stir it up all over again let us dream dreams again let us see visions again hallelujah I'm going to 
I'll say this in love. The Lord said this to me, and I need you to hear this. The Lord said to me, you're going to have to move past a spirit of pettiness. You can't be great and petty at the same time. You can't be emotionally driven on that level. When God is taking you to what he has for you, you can't be that petty. In other words, you can't wear your emotions on your shoulder. So I call in now the emotions. I will not be swayed by what I see. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So I come against the spirit of pettiness now. I come against the spirit of always wanting to respond to everything. I come against it right now in the name of Jesus. I come against always having an opinion about other stuff that don't concern me. I come against the spirit of pettiness right now. I pray, here we go, for a spirit of maturity. Grow us up, God. 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 And we thank you. And we bless you. I want you to take 30 seconds. Even in the audience, I need you to lift your hands. I need everybody in here to take 30 seconds. Open up your mouth and worship him for where God is taking you. Come on. Where God is taking you. Come on. Hallelujah. It's going to all be worth it. It's going to all be worth it. It's going to all be worth it. It's going to pay off. I pray for an endurance in the weight. I pray for an endurance in the weight. I pray for an endurance in the weight. That even while it's not your time, you're still at home working towards your vision and your dream. And what God says is yours. I pray right now for an endurance even in the weight. Adjust our vision, God. Adjust our vision, God. We thank you, and we bless you, and we glorify you. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you leave this altar, I need you to see yourself in the future and give God glory for what you see. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Everybody standing. See yourself in the future and give God glory for what you see. Come on, I see greatness ahead of me. I see greatness ahead of me. I see greatness ahead of me. I see open doors. I see an open heaven. I see influence. I see connections. I see God hooking some things up. I pray right now and I give God glory for what I see in the future. On your way back to your seat, hug somebody and say there's greatness on the inside of you. There's greatness on the inside of you. Adjust your vision. There's greatness on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Everybody remain standing. Everybody remain standing. Hallelujah. Listen, if there's anybody on the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus, if you're unsure of your salvation, if you never confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, this is your opportunity, this is your chance to give your life to Jesus Christ. My brother and my sister, wherever you are, this is your moment. This is your time. Don't leave here the same way that you came. He said all you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart and you shall be saved. It's a done deal. So if I'm talking to you, I'm going to count to three. I want you to start walking towards this altar. 
Secondly, if you need a church home, there's no greater place than right here at Freedom, a place you can grow and mature in God. God wants you to be planted in 2020. He don't want you to be dating the church. He wants you to be married. He wants you to make a commitment. Do it today. Start the year off right. The first Sunday of this decade, you're doing it right. I'm going to count to three if I'm talking to you. You want to give your life to Jesus Christ or join this church. I need you to make your way down to this altar. I want to pray with you. Come on, if I'm talking to you, they're already moving. One, two, come on, three. Come on, start walking. Come on, if I'm talking to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is there another one? Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, if there's another one, make your way to this altar. Hallelujah. Come on. God is calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you. Come on, Freedom. I need you to be praying. There's somebody else. Come on. Come on, if I'm talking to you, make your way this way. Hallelujah. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. That's it. That's it. Is there another? Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. This is the best decision you can make. Come on. God wants you to be planted. Hallelujah. Come on, if I'm talking to you, I don't want to cut this off without you. God is calling you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do me a favor. Stretch your hands this way. Stretch your hands this way. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my sisters, God, that are making this decision on today, God, to receive you or to join this church, God. I pray right now a hedge of protection around them. The enemy is mad because he doesn't like commitment. But, God, I thank you that they're making a declaration. For God, they're living. For God, they'll die. God, I thank you right now for this new season you're ushering them into. God, I pray right now. Freedom, I need you to pray. God, I pray right now that you heal every infection right now in the name of Jesus. Every wound that's still open. God, I pray right now for your healing virtue. Let it flow, God, from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet. God, I decree and declare healing now in her life. And I speak over her life. The struggle is over. Ah, the struggle is over. I call an end to that season now in the name of Jesus. God had to order your footsteps all 2019 for just for you to make it in here on today. God says, I'm healing you now. I heal the memory of it. I heal the memory of it. And I thank you now, God. In Jesus' great name we pray. Let the people of God give God the glory. Come on, freedom. Shake the roof off this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God glory. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. 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 You can be seated in the presence of the Lord as we get ready to give at this time, as we get ready to give.
this one time. Lift your hands. I feel the presence of God. Come on. Let's say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Come on, say your glory. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence. Come on, Holy Spirit. Stretch your hands to him and say that. Come flood. Adjust my vision. Adjust my vision. Your glory, 